inside of your bulletin. And this is the sermon text, Matthew 7, 7 through 12. You remember we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, and now we have a very interesting and challenging text. Jesus said, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. The word of the Lord. Well, I love being a dad. And I've got uh, four kids, and every now and then we get a great opportunity to do something. I, at a certain age, I take all of my kids individually camping, and we go to this specific place and we talk about life. So this was the weekend that I got to take one of my sons camping. And, you know, you hope at the end of it all, when they've grown, that, that, that they're going to remember stuff and that you'll be encouraged that you've been a good dad. But along the way, there are some hiccups, okay? I'm not perfect as a dad. I know that is a little shocking to you. So I'm going to share with you some of the hiccups. For instance, there was the time when my older kids wanted some knives. Coming of age, you know, you get them a knife. And then little Daniel wanted a knife as well, but he was very small. So it makes more sense to get him a small knife than a big knife, as opposed to getting him no knife at all, which would have been the smart thing. So when little Daniel cut his hand on the small knife, I felt like an idiot. And my wife let me know that as well. <laughs> now, there was the time when I got my children machetes as well. <laughs> I think it's very important that, you know, they learn to manage machetes. And so I got uh, the boys machetes, and, and uh, you know, and, and one of them was uh, maybe a little bit young to have a machete. And so when he tossed it and it actually hit his brother in the back, leaving a couch, once again, I felt very stupid. Um, it seems to be a blind spot with knives. I think, I think it's only knives. There was the time I built the treehouse so high that my wife would not let my kids in the kids' treehouse. I don't know about that. I mean, I just wanted to build a high treehouse. What's wrong with that? There was also the time that I forgot my kids at church, which happens a lot, frankly. Uh, you know, the way I see it is simply this. If my kids can get to age 18 and they're still alive, I've done a fantastic job parenting, right? It's all gravy after that. Well, it's fun to be a parent, but the truth of the matter is in our country, fatherlessness is an epidemic. I don't know if you've been tracking the statistics out there, but they're quite startling. I saw some stats on people who don't have dads. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. That's 32 times the average. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 85% of all youths in prison come from fatherless homes. 71% of pregnant teenagers lack a father. The epidemic of fatherlessness is in our country. See, it's in particular the father that plays such an important role in the children's life. Without a father, boys don't know how to be men. And without a father, girls don't know how to be loved. 
And so the truth of the matter is, we need a father. But what's he like? And as we look at this passage and we hear Jesus talking about God as our father, it may be hard for us to relate. But what he asks us to do is even more incredible. Because he says, ask your father and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. You know, think about it. What if our life, what would happen to our life if we actually did this? And if it actually was true that we had a heavenly father who we could go to and ask and seek and knock. What if instead of running all around the world, we took our desires and hopes to our Heavenly Father and He met them? Think about how our life would change. Think about the peace and contentment that could come with that. But that's precisely what Jesus is saying. To treat God the Father as your Father. In fact, He's not even asking it. He's commanding it. This invitation, this irresistible invitation. And so what we're going to talk about for the next three hours is simply this. The question of how. How do we take this idea, this concept, and make it a reality? I think if I was to take this whole passage and sum it up into one sentence, it would be this. When you accept the love of your father, you will have the boldness of a son. When you accept the love of your father, you will have the boldness of a son. We're going to look at three specific things, three specific topics. Number one, why we don't ask like a son. Why don't we do this? Why don't we ask like a son? Number two, why we can ask like a son. Why there is that ability. And then finally, number three, why we should ask like a son. So why we don't ask, why we can't ask, and finally, why we should ask. Well, let's look at the first point. Why don't we ask of him like he is our father? If you look at the scripture, it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will not uh, find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. As I said, this in the Greek, these uh, things that Jesus is saying are actually in the imperative, meaning they're commands. And they're in the present tense. So another way to communicate it would be this. Keep on asking and you will receive. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened. And if you notice, they're very, they're if-then statements. If you do this, then. See, the thens are in the future tense, meaning it will happen in the future if you do this. The first question we have to ask is, how do we ask? If we want to communicate our needs to God, how do we ask? Do we write a letter? Maybe even send an email. I sent an email to God at God.com yesterday. Because I was wondering if anyone would answer. I mean, wouldn't that be a great way to talk to God? God at God.com. And I simply wrote the subject line, are you there? Haven't heard anything. <laughs> Apparently, that's not the way to communicate with God. The answer that Jesus gave us is prayer. You know, Jesus lived this strange life. He'd be walking along, and all of a sudden, he'd just start praying. And there wasn't anybody there that we could see. But it was like Jesus had this relationship with this invisible father. And, and God sometimes would answer back. See, the point Jesus was making is that he's listening. He's listening to the things that you are saying. And so Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock. Now, in the face of it, these words seem like they're the same. Ask, seek, and knock. Okay, we get it. But they're a little bit different from one another. The first ask, I would title, be bold. Ask, be bold. 
My kids are very bold with the ask. There's some sort of chemical addiction that is tied into Slurpees. I don't understand it, but it's there. As soon as I drive out of the garage, it's always, Dad, are we going to get a Slurpee? Dad, we want a Slurpee. Dad, we deserve a Slurpee. Don't you love us, Dad? Get us a Slurpee. See, they're asking, they're being bold. And when they ask, they're not necessarily asking in one of these ways like a prayer, you know? Almost oh, excellent Father, who I love, who is gracious and kind. We pray that you would give us this fruity goodness that we would experience your bounty. No, it's give us the Slurpee. Be bold. See, Jesus said, when you pray, don't think he will hear you because of your many words. It's not about what you say. It's simply about being bold and asking. But he also says, seek, which I translate as be diligent. If to ask is to be bold, to seek is to be diligent. In other words, after you pray, start looking. Start looking for what God is doing. Because he's going to respond in some way, yes, no, maybe. It was one thing to ask, and it's another to expect some sort of response. I forgot who it was that said that, you know, it was one thing for a farmer to pray for rain. It's an entirely different thing for a farmer to pray for rain and then to plow his fields. Asking and then seeking. And then finally, knocking, which I translate as being persistent. Being bold, being diligent, being persistent. There's a strange dynamic that goes on in my home. I don't know about yours if you have kids. I'm sitting on my living room couch, and I hear a knocking at my door. And I think to myself, I know exactly who that is. It's one of my kids. Now, they walked out through the garage door. The garage door is open, and yet they want to go and come inside. So instead of going all the way to the garage, which is miles away, they come and start knocking on the door. Open the door. You know, and I'm, I'm sitting there going, I can't believe this. I'm comfortable. I'm watching my TV. No way I'm going to get up. Let us in. And you know what? They will keep knocking. And then the doorbell starts to go. Ring, ring. And here's what's funny is when I walk to the door, they go, why didn't you let us in? What's the matter? What's, why'd you take so long? Like, wait a second here. What am I, a butler? You know, but the point is, they are persistent. And so Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock. The question is, why don't we? Why don't we do this? I think there are a couple of reasons. I think we have a, a, a couple of things that we think about God why we don't ask, seek, and knock. Number one, he's already made up his mind. God's made up his mind. Why should I ask him? He's already going to do whatever he's going to do anyways, so it doesn't make any sense to ask him for anything. The reason we need to ask is simply this, because Jesus says to do it. And furthermore, it's not a question of whether God's able to give. It's a question of whether we're able and ready to receive. See, God's not interested in transaction. God's interested in a relationship. And there's something that happens when we turn our eyes off stuff and we move them to God himself. That we get to experience our father and our father gets to experience us as children. And that's why we ask. There's a whole lot more going on than a simple transaction here. Number two, I think it's this. We look around and we say, you know what? People are getting around fine without prayer. People are doing great without prayer. Now, I even look around and 
Look at these wicked people. I know how they live their life, and yet they seem to be doing very well, and everything's going good for them. And yet it doesn't seem to go well for me. See, one of the things we have to understand is there's a difference between a creator and a father. Okay? There's some gifts that everybody receives. They're creation gifts. He makes the rain fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. There's some things that God does simply to continue to maintain the world. And so there are creation gifts, but there are also redemption gifts. See, the gifts that are being given to those who are not God's children are simply to maintain the world. But the gifts that God is giving to His children is because He delights in them. He delights in giving them a gift. There's something specific. And in the end, there will be a judgment of God, isn't it, won't there? It's a picture at the end when you hear these people coming to God and they're saying, look at all the great things we did. God says, away from me. I never the final point is this, that it doesn't work. Prayer doesn't work. You know, we've done this. I, I, I asked, I didn't receive, therefore prayer doesn't work. If A equals B, all the way. But the point is, my friends, that prayer is not a formula. God is not a genie. He is a father, not a butler. And so we have to read this in the context of relationships and in the context of Scripture. What else does the God talk about in the scriptures? If we only took this one verse, we'd miss out on the whole of what God is talking about. See, God's plan for us is bigger than simply putting a quarter in the machine and getting something out. See, the truth is, some of the times, God does not give us what we want because He gives us what we need. And sometimes that is failure. Sometimes it's difficulty. Sometimes it's a host of hard things for God to show us that He's with us and that He's growing us. Because what God wants to give us more than anything else is He wants to give us Himself. He wants to give us the strength and peace that come with Him. And so the conclusion I can draw why we don't do this is simply this. We don't see Him as a Father. He may be God, but He's not a Father. He's a stranger. Or he's an alien. I don't know what he is, but he's not my dad. It was J.I. Packer that said, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. For everything that Christ taught, Everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the old, everything that is distinctly Christian is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God, the Father. The reason we don't ask is simply this, we're a fatherless generation. I don't know if you remember one of my favorite movies. Well, probably not one of my favorite movies, but it was pretty good. Bruce Almighty. Remember Bruce Almighty, Jim Carrey? You know, he's going about his business, he's living his life, and nothing is going right. And the more he does stuff, he prays, it's not working, he's getting mad at God. And he simply says, you know what, I could do this better than you if I had the power. See, Bruce wanted a generator, not a father. And he got what he wished for. He got all the power. He's got the power, remember? And he's out there making it happen. And he's getting everything that he wants. But the problem is he doesn't know what he wants. And the problem is he can't manage things as if... He were God. 
and his life starts to devolve into this wreck until finally he comes to his senses. See, what Bruce did not need, Bruce didn't need almighty power. What he needed was a father. He needed love. And so let me ask you the question, what is your attitude about God? Where do you go when there is a need? Who do you ask? Where do you seek? What door do you knock on? Because the attitude we have when we have challenges reveals about what we think about God as Father. There's a crisis at work, and my job is in danger. Where do I go to ask and seek? I'm a teenage girl, and I don't think I'm very pretty, or I measure up to the, ma the fashion magazine covers, which are airbrushed, by the way. Where do you go? On what door do you knock? I'm divorced. I'm lonely, and I don't have any intimate friends. Who do you ask? Where do you seek? Because Jesus says that if you ask, it will be given to you. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be open. And so the first step we have to do is look at God and ask ourselves the question, is he my father? Because until we get past that point, we're not ready to move on to the next step of our relationship with God. And so we must look at God, and we must also look at our life. How do I live? Because it's only when you know the love of the Father that you can approach Him with the boldness of a son. Well, we've talked about why we don't ask. I want to talk about why we can ask like a son. You know, the first reason we can ask is simply this, that the name that God wants to be called is Father. This is the name that has been revealed of who God is. Now, in the Old Testament, in particular with God, the name is a reflection of the character. So God, the names reveal who God is. God is synonymous, if you will, with this name. So God Almighty, the Rock and the Redeemer, El Shaddai, He's Lord. And if you'll notice, there is a progression of God's name throughout the Bible. In the beginning, God's name is Elohim, which simply means God. And then as we get to Moses, he calls a people and he gives them a covenant name, Yahweh, which means Lord. And then finally, with the revealing of who God really is through the Son, Jesus Christ, he instructs us to call him Pater, which means Father. God wants His name to be Father. <clears throat> when you think about it, the nature of God Himself is the Father. God the Father. And God the Son, Jesus. See, they relate to themselves in that, in each other in that way. And always have. God's been the Father from all eternity. And God the Son, Jesus, has been the Son from all eternity. It's a reflection of God's nature. And we see that through Jesus Christ, we have received the designation of Son, just like Jesus was Son. Listen to this, Galatians 4.4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the, sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, 
father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. See, we can't make him our father, but he can make us our sons and daughters. See, you'll never ever hear this. No child goes to someone and says, I really like you. I'm going to make you my father. The other way around, isn't it? The parents that go to a child and say, we're going to make you our child. See, there are plenty of fathers that are saying, I'm going to make your child. But there's no child saying, I'm going to make you my father. If you are a Christian, if you trust in Jesus Christ, it's because God came to you and opened your heart and said, I want to adopt you as my child. And so as the scriptures say, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. This is a permanent adoption into the family of God. Romans 8 says, you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. As such, we can look to God as our Heavenly Father because that's the way He wants us to look at it. And the truth of the matter is, there's a host of questions we don't even have to ask God whether He's going to do or not. So you hear five things that God has already promised that He's going to do as your Heavenly Father. Number one, He's going to provide. You don't have to ask the question when your Heavenly Father is God going to take care of it. Because Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will provide all of your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. My God will richly provide all that you need. The Father provides. But the Father also protects. Matthew 10.29 Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. And even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many spirits. The Father protects, but the Father also comforts. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort that we ourselves are comforted with by God. See, God's already said I'm going to comfort you. It's really, are we going to turn into his arms and be comforted? The Father encourages. Jeremiah 29, for I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and to give you hope. Plans to give you a future and not to harm you. And finally, the Father disciplines us. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? For they disciplined us for a short time it seemed best for us. But He disciplines us for our good, that we may share in our holiness. See, God's already acting like a father, if you are a believer, whether you think He is or not. The Heavenly Father knows what we need. And as Jesus says, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will your Heavenly Father? See, the truth of the matter is, the Heavenly Father knows what to give. If I left my kids to their own devices, they would ask for cotton candy every meal. And that's what they want, a cotton candy diet. I think it is actually a new fad diet. Uh, you should check that out, uh, cottoncandy.com or something. But the point is, that's no good, right? A good father won't allow that to happen. See, the truth of the matter is, so often, we don't ask for bread. We ask for stones. 
We don't ask for fish, we ask for serpents. Because we don't know what we need. But God, our Father, does. And the truth is, we don't need a lot of stuff, do we? What we need is contentment. What we need is happiness and love and purpose and meaning. These are the things that we need in our hearts. And these are the things that God, the Father, can give us. You know, one of my favorite times as a kid was wrestling with my dad on the bed. I don't know if you do this. I get to do it with my kids. It's fantastic. I just hop them right off the bed. They come back on. It's like army ants or something. But, you know, when I was a little kid, I would wrestle on the bed with my dad. And he was so big, and I was so small. And sometimes I'd get on his back, and he'd let me pin him. And sometimes he'd pin me. You know, as I think about those times, I can still smell the cologne of my dad being there. And you know, as I reflect upon that, at that time, I was in the safest place I could ever be. In the arms of my father. See, what I wanted was not things. What I wanted was my dad. And what we want is our heavenly father. We need to know that he's more than just God. He's our heavenly father. And so the reason we can ask like a son is because that's what he wants to be called. See, if you want peace, you're not going to find it out there. If you want wealth, you're not going to find it out there. True wealth is everything that money cannot buy and death can't take away. If you want joy, it comes from the relationship first with your Heavenly Father. If you want life, Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. And so the question is, who is your Father? Who do you run to to keep you safe? Now you may say to me, I don't have a father. No, no, no. We all have heavenly fathers. Things that we run to when we're hurting. Maybe it's my company. Maybe it's the department store that I go to for safety. Maybe it's the gym. Maybe it's that girl who sits in my class. Maybe it's that man who works next to me in the cubicle. We all have a heavenly father. And who we ask and what we seek and what we knock on are symptoms what really is going on in our hearts. And so look at your relationship with God. Does it look like that of a heavenly father? Or is it cold and distant? He's too busy. He's out there. He doesn't understand my problems. Maybe it's transactional. You know, I ask for stuff all the time, but I don't really ask for him. I'd rather he was a father than a father. But Jesus says, treat him as a father. For if you ask, it will be given to you. If you'll seek, you'll find. And if you knock, the door will be open. But you must let go of other heavenly fathers because there can only be one heavenly father. You don't get two. But when you accept the love of your father, then you will have the boldness of asking like a son. This brings me to my final point. Not only why can't we ask, why can't we ask, why should we ask? See, it's more than just we can ask and this is an option. The reason we should ask is because God has already given us a gift when we weren't asking for it. See, God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. When you think about it, how did we get all of these things? All the blessings and the favor and the kindness of God. It's very simple. God took them from His begotten Son and He gave them to His adopted sons and daughters. 
It's interesting, we have, we have a birthday today for one of our kids. And you know, birthdays are exciting because you have to make funny face pancakes, okay, which is a pancake with some uh, whipped cream and eyes. And you know, I stay up all, all morning fixing it and then Leon just walks in and you know, <laughs> Leon does the funny face pancakes. But the point is, the kids come in and they're ready for the presents, right? They're ready for the good stuff. And that's what uh, God gave us on our birthday when we were reborn, if you are a Christian. But what did Jesus get on his 33rd birthday? See, Jesus didn't get bread. He got the cross. Jesus didn't get fish. He got a nails and the crown of thorns. See, Jesus was assigned a grave with the wicked. And with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And through this, the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, and he will see his offspring and prolong his days. You see, it was Jesus, the begotten son, who should have had his father's protection. And yet he was abandoned. It was Jesus who should have had his father's comfort, but instead he got the tomb. It was Jesus who should have had his father's provision, but instead he left this world naked and hungry. See, Jesus is the one who should have had all the treasures, and yet Jesus abandoned them, that we could have them, that we could have the father's comfort, because Jesus and God the Father wanted something more. The gift that, that they wanted is us. See, the beauty of the picture is we get a heavenly father. But the other side of the beautiful picture is he gets sons and daughters. And Jesus Christ was the faithful son who trusted that even though it seemed like a stone, he knew that his father in the end would give him bread. And on that resurrection day, he was raised above all people and given authority over the earth because he pleased God. See, the, on the cross, two gifts were given. He got the gift of us, and we got the gift of him. See, Jesus has given us a gift. God has given us a gift in Jesus. And he says, open it. When someone gives you something so precious, what can we do but open it? Because he bought it just for us. See, the truth of the matter is all of life stems from this question. Do we understand that God is our Heavenly Father? You know, at the end of this verse, it says, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and prophets. <clears throat> is this not a reflection of the overflow of love that we have for people when we understand the love of our Heavenly Father for us? See, that's what I want this church to be about. The people, when we go out, we love them. Because we have the love of the Father, and therefore we can love others like God loves us. Truth be told, that's what everybody's looking for. And that's what we need as well. And so the question I finish with you is this. Have you received the gift? If you're not a Christian, God is not your Father. But if you desire the love of God, the gift of Jesus Christ... All you have to do is ask. See, he's the one who adopts, but you can stick out your arms and say, I'm ready. If you are a Christian, maybe the Father seems cold and distant from you. Maybe what's going on is you're choosing the wrong thing.
you're looking past the one that you need to the things that he gives. So before you ask for things, ask for him. Before you seek out your life's calling, <clears throat> seek him. And before you knock for the doors of prosperity to be opened, knock on the door to Christ and say, let me in. And he says he will get up and let you in. And you will eat with him and him with you. Ask him again. Pray to the one who cannot see. Seek him in his scriptures and don't give up. Keep on knocking, for you will surely open the door. When you accept the love of your Father, then you will have the boldness of the Son. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you that you are not Elohim only. You are not Yahweh only, but you are Pater. Father, that you delight to call us as your children. And you wanted us so much that you gave up all the things that were deserving and rightfully those of the begotten Son. Jesus, I thank you that you willingly gave them up, that they were not taken from you, but rather it was your joy to lay down your life, that we might have life. Lord, we want to see you as our Heavenly Father. We want to wrestle with you on the bed. We want to ask for the slurpee. Lord, we want to knock on the door. So Lord, help us to overcome our unbelief. And to live lives out of the fullness of knowing that you are a heavenly Father. All of this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.